Good morning. Good morning. I have a couple of announcements, and then uh, I'm going to let um, uh, Bob McQuaid come up here and have a Holy Land moment uh, with you. Uh, first, to remind you about prayer cards, of course, if you have a prayer request. Uh, Sylvia looks like she's walking around with the cards. If you have one, raise your hand. Um, confirmation class does meet today at 4.30 at the social hall. This will be our last one before the two breaks for Palm Sunday and Easter. So it's important you're there. Today is library day. We shifted that till today. We are got library day. Okay. A reminder that next Sunday is Palm Sunday and the beginning of Holy Week, which means that there's a big event for you children. That's the Easter egg hunt. And it is on 419 at 10 o'clock. And uh, Katie says she really needs some more volunteers. We don't have enough volunteers to, to uh, at this point. She still needs more volunteers to make this uh, event uh, meaningful and successful for our children. All right, Bob, do you want to come up here and give us a, a little talk? And then after he gets through, we'll begin our worship, okay? Good morning. It's good to see y'all today. I am Bob McQuaid. I follow Bobby around and usually carry her stuff for her. When she and I joined the church recently, Pastor discovered that we had led several groups to the Holy Land and uh, said, well, well, I'd like to get a group from this church and go. Uh, I said, okay. We said, we'll work on that and help you do it. So we're planning for next February, and we have submitted the information, the itinerary, to two companies and gotten response from them. So next Sunday, uh, we will have the complete details, the itinerary, the price, the how to sign up, and everything. Going to the land where Jesus was born grew up, ministered, lived, died, rose again, and ascended is a spiritual journey. It is not a tour where you simply go and look at things that are interesting and come home and say, I've been there. It is a spiritual journey that will move you in your spiritual walk with Christ. We have had people go who have said to us <clears throat> afterwards and have put it in writing, this changed my life. Now, I don't know whether it'll change your life, but I know that if you go, you will never read the Bible again the same way. Because when you read it, those pictures will come into your mind, the Sea of Galilee, the uh, Temple Mount, the Garden Tomb, Gethsemane, so many places where Jesus walked, you will walk. And you will hear his teaching from Pastor, from Bobby, occasionally from me. And so I urge you to seize this opportunity to travel with friends and your own pastor to the Holy Land. One of the favorite places of mine is the Garden Tomb. It looks something like this. They do not claim that that is the tomb where Jesus was laid. 
But it certainly goes back to that period and it looks very much like a tomb in that time and could have actually been the place where he was laid. It is in a beautiful garden and throughout the garden there are spots for people to gather with their groups, small, large, and to have a worship service and to take communion. We will be doing it there. You'll never forget it. Next Sunday, come expecting for the material. Next February, plan to go with us, and it will be a God-blessed experience. Thank you. Let's begin our worship service by standing and singing together. I meet with you as my soul sings out, as your word throws doubt far away. My heart cries, holy, hallelujah, Father, your name. My hope is in you all the day long. I'll be singing right, proud or strong. A peace that passes understanding is my song. And I sing.
Dear Lord, we thank you so much for that hope. We thank you for the hope that we have when we wake up in the morning, knowing that you're right there with us. You're right there beside us to walk us through our day. Lord, you guide us and you do give us that peace and that peace that just passes all of our own understanding. Lord, we thank you for that. Just be with us today as we worship you, Lord, and as we lift you on high. Lord, just fill us up with your Holy Spirit and help us just to keep you with us for the rest of our day and the rest of our week. In your name I pray. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. Sun comes up, it's a beauty dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing in the
and tell them you love them this morning. And children, come meet us on the carpet. everybody I have a question do you ever cry what makes you cry when you get in trouble yes when you get hurt when you're sad about something any other reasons y'all want to share anything that makes you cry we all cry don't we even if we're big and strong no matter if we're young or old maybe have you ever fallen off fallen off of your bicycle and cried because you got hurt that's like Morgan said when you get hurt you cry um what about if you did something and it embarrassed you did that make you cry like if you drop something and in front of people and it kind of embarrassed you that might can make you cry so there's lots of different reasons that we may cry and we all do it well did you know that Jesus cried too did everybody know that The shortest verse in the entire Bible says, Jesus wept. And it's in the book of John, chapter 11, verse 35. And it's just those two words, Jesus wept. What are some things that made Jesus cry? Do you know? Well, I have three that I want to share with you this morning. The first is, the Bible tells us that Jesus cried when he prayed for others. It says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears. The second one is the Bible tells us that Jesus cried when he saw people that were missing out on what God wanted for them. Luke tells us that as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, I wish that even today you would find the way of peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from you. And another time that the Bible tells us that Jesus cried was when friends of his were hurting. And that would probably make us cry too, right? Not just when we're hurting, but if our friends are hurting. Well, Jesus had a friend named Lazarus who became very sick. His sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus and asked him to come and heal Lazarus. But when Jesus arrived, Lazarus had already died. The Bible tells us that when Jesus saw Mary weeping because her brother had died, that he cried too. And that isn't all that Jesus did. Listen to what happened next. Jesus went with Mary and Martha and some others to visit the grave where Lazarus was buried. It was a cave with with a large stone across the entrance. And when they arrived at the tomb, Jesus said to some of the men who were with them, Take away the stone. Then Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus walked out of the grave. I imagine when they saw that, Mary's tears of sadness turned to tears of probably joy and happiness. We all cry, and I'm glad that we have a Savior who cries with us. I'm glad that he loves us so much that he hurts when we're hurting, and he feels our pain. 
He sees our tears, and he knows that they're there, right? And he fills them with us. So let's pray to him this morning and thank him for that. Will you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, it is comforting to know that when we cry, you cry with us. But it is even more comforting to know that you have power over death and that one day we will be in heaven with you. And then there will be no more tears. Amen. Let us bow our heads now in time of prayer. O God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. O God, through your spirit, you you give us life. And you hear our cries, and your ear is attentive to our supplications. And for this continuing mercy, we offer you thanks and praise as we come this day to confess and to thank you and to ask. We know that we've been called to be your children by your spirit, and yet we must confess that so often we fall the ways of the flesh and seeking to please ourselves, we know that we fail to please you. And yet you have shown from generation to generation that there is forgiveness with you. And so we pray this day that you would help us to wait upon you morning by morning and that you would redeem us again, the children of your own making. And we're reminded this day that when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, you showed us the way of life. And we pray, O Lord, you'd pour out your spirit upon us anew this day that we may be enlivened once more to carry the good news of your love and strengthen us to walk in the day as well as the night by filling us with the light who is Christ. And just as Jesus comforted Mary and Martha, we pray now, God, that you would comfort all those that we lift up. We lift up especially the family of David Pinckney. We pray, O God, for all the children they may grow in God's love. We pray for Harriet Johnson, her continued recovery. We pray for Tony Smith and his health. We pray for the mission team from our church that is at the Redbird Mission in Beverly, Kentucky this week. We pray for a brother flying in Iraq. We pray for my Uncle Mike Curtis, who's in ICU.
And we pray for my cousin Pam Barrier Beck, who has been put in a nursing facility. Lift up, O oh God, all those who are lonely. Give relief from suffering to those who are ill in body, mind, or spirit. And help us to use our infirmity for your glory. Hear our prayers this day, O oh God. For we offer them in the name of the one who is the resurrection and the life, Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This fifth Lenten Sunday, this week before Holy Week, we have this story, which is, of course, about Jesus uh, raising Lazarus from the dead, and which prefigures, of course, God raising Jesus from the dead in just a, a week or so later in the timeline. And I'm going to read to you from chapter 11 uh, several different verses. I'm not sure if, if what's on the screen is exactly what I'm going to read, but you can follow along with me. There was a man named Lazarus. He was sick. He was from Bethany, which is outside Jerusalem, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord, wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Finally, the scripture says that he, they left and they came and arrived. And uh, when they arrived, uh, Martha came out and said, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live. And even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And then the scripture says that he asked to, be, to see where Lazarus was laid, and they went there, and that's where verse 35 says Jesus wept. And then he said, take away the stone. And Martha says, but Lord, by this time there's a bad order, odor, for he's been there four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? And so they took out the stone. Jesus said, come forth, and Lazarus came forth. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. 
Oh, Lord, we are always, I believe, a little bit in awe of this whole story and how it plays out, and there's so many nuances to it and so many ways to look at it. But I pray, oh, Lord, this day that you'll guide us to see what we see and hear what we will hear through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the um, difficult things that uh, I have to do as a pastor is to conduct funerals. It's even worse when you have to conduct a funeral for a loved one. And unfortunately, I've had to, uh, to do the funerals for both my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, and two aunts. And I have an uncle who's near death and uh, was told uh, when I visited the hospital Thursday that in North Carolina that he had told his children a while ago that he wanted me to do his funeral. Of course, I had never heard that to then, but it's one of the hardest things that I have to handle is to, is to do a funeral. I wish that I could just simply say, uh, wake up and, or come out like Jesus said, and uh, we, I wouldn't have to conduct them. So consequently then, the hardest thing that I have had to face throughout my life is that God doesn't do what I expect God to do. I don't know if you've ever thought that way or not, but the hardest thing I have to deal with as a Christian is what to do when God does not do what I expect God to do. And in a sense, that's exactly what's going on with, with Martha and Mary in this, in this passage. And there is a part in this passage that sometimes I think people just kind of move on because they want to hear about him telling Lazarus to come out of the tomb. But it says that he, even though he loved them, he stayed where he was two more days after hearing that Lazarus was sick. And that's the part of the story that I always have a hard time handling. We know from the scriptures that this was one of the most welcome havens in our Lord's ministry during the three years he's, he ministered to us. This was, this was not just any home. These weren't just any people. You might say it was kind of like your relatives. And yet he tarried. He waited. He did not do what we expected him to do. Now, someone has told me once after uh, I have had a discussion about this scripture that, well, he knew Jesus, Jesus knew that Lazarus was going was to die, and he knew exactly what he was going to do, so what was the big hurry, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, Martha and Mary's hearts were breaking. Jesus' presence with them would have been a great comfort, and yet he remained two more days. Have you ever gone to God for help when you felt a desperate need and nothing happened? When your heart was breaking and you need God to intervene, but the heavens were silent? I want to tell you there are many, many times like that I've cried out to God and said, things are so bad, God, you've got to do something. And no answer came. And I think I can't help but think that this is what Mary and Martha was feeling. And, Mary, and, and I believe this is what was going on when, 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 when Martha 
said, yes, Lord, I know that you're the resurrection and life. It's kind of like when we say, yes, I know God's with us. Yes, I know God has control of all things, but right now I'm hurting. I'm hurting really bad. And I wished I had a really easy answer for you. The answer, though, does lie in Scripture. The answer lies in this one Scripture I do believe from Isaiah that says, My thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. It is this, and this is what I've come to rely upon in those times in my life when I I had those kind of situations and I had those serious doubts. It's that there's dimensions to a problem which God only sees, that we cannot remotely imagine. There are possibilities and opportunities in every situation when we cannot conceive of at all. And I think what is happening here is is that this delay is not a sign of God's indifference. It's not a sign of God's failure to hear or to hear But it is, as we learned last week, another example of God's glorification through what's going to happen. Now that's not easy to see. I have struggled with that myself. I've not always seen it in the times that it happens. So oftentimes I see it when I look back. When I look back at a tragedy or a situation and then I see, well, you know, out of all that tragedy and situation, this particular member of the family found peace or this particular person was able to see God in a new way and came to God and they were away from God before all this tragedy happened. And so there is things that do happen that are greater than we can see in every situation. And so every time then that I think that everything is lost and there's no hope, it seems as if God still does something remarkable that's totally out of character from what we're expecting. And things are reversed from despair to hope. And so I have come to learn through the years, and I'm telling you straight up and honestly, it is not easy and it has taken many years in gray hair and not a little bit of hair to learn how to wait and quietly trust and know that God is working out something bigger than I can see. Something bigger than I can see. I want to tell you that the little exchange between Martha and the Lord I believe caused, just my opinion, Jesus' weeping. I think Jesus recognized that Martha, even though she said, yes, I believe, Lord, that she really didn't really believe it down deep. She's spouting platitudes as we often do to each other. Because if she had known exactly and understood when Jesus said, your brother will rise again, she would have said, wonderful Lord, I knew that's what you were going to do. That's why you've, now that you're here, and let's run to the tomb. 
And that's not what happened, is it? She, spit, she spouted a platitude. Yes, I know he'll rise on the last day. She wasn't looking for immediate resurrection of her brother. She wasn't looking for him. Now, one might argue that maybe she was just looking for some comfort. Maybe she was just looking for someone to wrap her in their arms and hold her and to tell her everything would be all right. And I think that realization is what our Lord came to. And I believe that's why he wept. So this story is so much like the way we are. We think so much like the way Martha thinks. She believes in in what she thinks might could happen. Or she believes in what she's facing now with the loss of her brother. She doesn't think about what God might make happen. And we're all guilty of that. We don't think about what God might make happen. And so in our brokenness, in our experience of grief, in our own despair, we mostly weep. But we don't expect anything. We weep and expect nothing. Nothing but heartache for today and for as long as we live and breathe. Because we know that life is tough. Life is hard. And there's a lot of tears. But we must remember, we must remember Jesus wept in solidarity with us. We must remember, even though he knew that he controlled, that he could lay his life down and raise it up, even though he knew it, he weeps. He weeps because he shares in the heartache of of Martha and Mary, and he sympathizes with them in their pain and with us in our pain. And he sets an example that the Apostle Paul later in Romans 12 would say to us as instructions on how to live. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Knowing that he's going to turn it all around, Jesus' heart is compassionate. And that's a great, in my opinion, a great touchstone for as we live through our days of mostly agony. That Jesus is a compassionate heart, feels the sorrow of our heart, knows our heart, has the same heart. So what's the conclusion of all this? Well, the Apostle Paul in his second letter to Timothy, during the time of Timothy having a most trying time, he basically told, tells Timothy to suck it up. He says, remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Now, at first when you read that, and I can't help but wonder how Timothy must have thought when he was told that, when he read that. 
But the thing is, this is one platitude that isn't a platitude. This is the truth. This is what we celebrate in a week or two. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And since Jesus is risen from the dead, death has no power over us. That is God's word. Jesus has conquered it. And Jesus lives. And Jesus is with us. So Jesus and us can handle every situation. Jesus and us can walk on every path. Jesus can do anything. Jesus can do everything I can't do. Jesus can do everything you can't do. And so the next time you're facing a problem of any sort, instead of focusing on a solution to the problem, or instead of focusing on the eventual working out of the problem, instead of focusing on all the pain of the problem, focus instead on Jesus. Focus your faith on Jesus Christ and trust that despite the delays, trust and turn to the only one who can save us, knowing that he is able. And trust and know that even though we go through this path of life mostly suffering, that that suffering, just like the suffering of our Lord, always, always is a pathway to new life. It's always a pathway to new life. And so, remember, one day the Lord will say, come forth, James and John and Bill and Mary and Sylvia and Kevin, come forth, come forth, come forth. Amen. Let us respond to God's word. Let us stand and affirm our faith in one voice. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life and death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated and let our ushers come forth to receive our tithes and our offerings.
He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. By His wounds, by His wounds we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sin. Punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. By His wounds, by His wounds we are healed. We are healed by Your sacrifice and the life that You gave. We are healed for You paid the price. By Your grace, we are saved. We are saved. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. By His wounds, by His wounds we are healed. We are healed by Your and the life that you gave we are healed for you paid the price by your grace we are saved we are saved he was pierced for our transgression crushed for our sin the punishment that brought us peace was upon him by his wounds by his wounds we are healed by his wounds by his wounds What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Will you stand? Let's sing together.
blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Almighty, eternal, triune God, one God, now and forever. May they be yours this day and each day. Have a great week.